0: Welcome to the Everyday Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Vasily Mazin, coming at you from Chiang Mai, Thailand. The idea behind this project is to interview people who are outstanding in their field, one way or another, casting a spotlight on one character at a time. My guest today is a Brazilian entrepreneur, world traveler, YouTuber, and educator. He gained his location independence and freedom to live anywhere in the world by creating businesses completely online. Let me present to you Joao Alberto Novaez. Okay, so welcome to,
1: to the podcast, welcome to Thailand, Chiang Mai. Sherman, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to share a little bit of my story here. Okay, so
0: you are from Brazil and as it already is typical for my interview style, I like to ask my guests about their childhood, how they grew up, what they did, what they wanted to be, uh, where they lived and this kind
1: of stuff. So how did you start your life So, I grew up in the countryside of Brazil, in a very, very small town um, called Minasu, okay, and it was like a really small town, and I definitely wasn't like the, the kid who were really much into going out and like making friends and playing around. I was really introspective, really, you know, keeping to myself, and I wasn't social at all, you know? And I was really into like sci-fi, especially. I, I loved sci-fi since a very young age. I remember like the first times I watched Back to the Future and, you know, um, Jurassic Park and The Matrix in 1999, which really changed my, my life. I was really into that, till I have, you know, access to, to internet. And this happened probably when I was like nine, ten years old or something. So it was the access to internet and cable TV. I remember, I remember perfectly the day I had it installed, you know, like, you know, in my house, and it wasn't accessible for many people. We used to, you know, make jokes about that. That my house, my, my brothers and, 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 and I, we were like the first ones to have internet in the city <laughs> because it was really inaccessible for the majority of people. That was 1997, I, I believe. What was it, uh, it
0: a 28K modem or something like that? Ah, 56. 56, 56. Oh, okay. Like that's the first that's
1: one, that's a Motorola, a Motorola, Motorola modem. I don't remember the, the exact model of it, but that's I remember the, the computer. The computer was um, a me a four eight six from IBM, with sixteen megabytes of RAM. Wow. It was amazing, and my dad was really into computing at this time. You know, he was really interested about that, but he wasn't like spending much time. But my brother and I were. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I believe I believe that's like the, the beginning of everything.
0: So, and when um, your parents were other adults
1: asked you what you wanted to be when you uh, grew up. What did you tell them? So initially, I wanted to be a scientist because I was really into sci-fi and science was something very interesting for me at the time. But with time, you know, especially exploring computer science and hacking at the beginning, you know, I was like building hacking websites, like, you know, talking about tools for hackers and sniffing and um, Trojan, stuff like that. I was, you know, getting more and more into this to, sec- to the security thing, but I, 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 mean, I didn't have like a very clear vision of what to do till Napster, uh, Napster arrived. Do, do, do you know Napster? Mm-hmm. So was the first uh, software that could make it really easy to share music, MP3 files, you know, between friends or unknown people, right, peer to peer. How a kid in his university could create something that really completely shifted the, the world and, and, and the way business used to work, right? You were like, we were buying CDs at the
0: time and all. Sharing without asking anyone your any permission. Yeah, you just get what you want when you want to directly to your computer. That was the revolution. Right?
1: And rebuilding a business, right? I mean. This kind of thing happened a few times in the past years with Apple as well, doing the same things with iTunes and with Netflix now, with movies and all. But it, I mean, it was the first time I could see someone doing it from the basement, you know, and that really blew my mind at the time.
0: Okay, Uh, you told me you you were moving around Brazil a lot. For those people who don't know too much about Brazil, uh, maybe you can share... What are the differences between different parts of Brazil? And if people want to go there, should they expect uh, very different um, areas of, of, of culture and, and, and food? and or,
1: or is it more or less a unified big country? Yeah, so Brazil is really, really big. It's like really ma- massive, right? Uh, even though my my parents moved a lot when I was younger, I probably know like... 10, 15% of Brazil, you know, because it really varies from place to place. But, um, I mean, usually the, the experience I have, and when I'm talking to other Brazilian people, it's an, it, the whole culture changes a lot. It's like, if, if you go to Europe, for example, you can see these differences in culture going from... from Know, cities within the same country but in Brazil if you go from you know the Sao Paulo state to Rio de Janeiro to Goiás to Ceará to Amazonia to uh, Rio Grande do Sul all those places it, it to me now it really looks like countries um, you know within countries by by itself you know separate countries, separate countries. And the culture is different, the food is different, the the way people speak is very different, you know. Um, In some places, it's even, like, harder for us Brazilian people to understand other people speaking, just like if you go to Portugal. Portugal speaks Portuguese as well, but it can be as hard to understand for us as, you know, going to the extreme south of Brazil or something like that. So Brazil is a very diverse culture, you know, and and there are amazing people there doing all kinds of stuffs, but um, uh, I would say that it's it's just like too massive culturally wise and, um, um, you know, cuisine wise and all of that.
0: Uh, Speaking of Portugal, um, is it a a fair comparison? Like what England or the United Kingdom is to America is what Portugal to to
1: Brazil or or is it does it feel like it's not it's not exactly the same comparison It's something completely different you know the way everything went and now with the colonies in Brazil so Portugal was in a very complicated um, situation when they discovered Brazil and how the 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 whole politics went with that so for example, when when the British got to America, they were really thinking about um, expanding, you know, and and, and really um, exploring America, but also uh, colonizing the place. In Brazil, was the completely you know opposite thing. They were going there to really outsource and you know really get resources from from Brazil back to Portugal. So just not to expand the empire, At but all. just use it as, as a kind of a uh, production
0: manufacturing backyard.
1: Exactly, exactly. So even our culture right now, it go, goes back to that, you know. And the way, for example, America, they, 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 they fought a war with Britain, right, to, to get their independence, mm-hmm. and in Brazil, we bought it <laughs> from Portugal. So it's a very different view, very different approach. And it's it's like really, it's completely different. There's no even way to compare, actually, in my personal opinion. Uh,
0: no, that's very interesting. Thank you for uh, sharing this, because I didn't know. In my mind, you know, Portugal would be like the older version of Brazil or something like that. Uh, and I've never been to Brazil, I've been to Portugal. Um, but I didn't find anything in Portugal that... <laughs> It would make me think. Oh, now I understand Brazilians better. Like, if, no, <laughs> they didn't even sound like uh, they spoke the same language. It on paper it looks the same, right? But it doesn't. It doesn't sound very, very similar. The, the grammar similar.
1: Yeah. and the language. The grammar and the language is is really the same. You know, you, uh, Brazilian people can read Portuguese stuff and 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 so on. But when we're speaking, it will sound differently. The accent is really different as well. So. Yeah, and the, the, you know, you can read stuff between countries, but not the communication is not exactly the same, you know? In this sense,
0: it's actually a lot more similar now between America and the United Kingdom, you know, because the language is, is what unites the countries, right? Um, Okay, so then you told me that you were into hacking and uh, website building and stuff like that. So that led you to uh, actually getting a career in this, right? So you you had jobs uh, related to
1: web development. Is, Is that true? So when I turned 20, I went to the university and actually... There wasn't like many options, you know. The only thing I could think about was something related to computer science or computer-related. So I started doing computer science in a, in a in a private school in Brazil, and it was it was nice. It was interesting, you know, to meet other people who were passionate about computing and learning much more, especially about programming. It was like my first real classes. I did have some classes in programming before that, but. At school, at, at university was really the, the real thing. But um, um, at the first year of going to university, I, I got my first job, my first internship, to be honest. And I was just doing both things at the same time. I was really into programming at, at this time. And it was something very interesting for me for a long time. I mean, when when I was like looking to the the people who I admired, like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, and all these guys who were starting their own companies in the you know um, basements, and all all those guys have a very good understanding of programming. So that that was something I was looking forward to really master in a way, you know. And it was, it was really good for a long time. I started doing some web development with .NET framework from Microsoft. This was in um, 2004, I guess, 2005, 2004, 2005. And I, I started building some websites and some desktop apps and all. But um, everything really clicked for me on like building stuff in 2007, 2008 when Apple... Um, uh, released the iPhone, the first iPhone, right? Because it really changed my way of, of understanding apps and software in many ways, you know? And and I, I, I actually I started a company in 2012 with two other friends where we were just building apps on demand for people who want to build apps, but that was too early. We, we didn't have like a specific business model. And it, it didn't last for more than a year, <laughs> you know, but it was an amazing experience on having your own business and having to make it work and really making you know have you know trying to to, um, to figure out how to do everything else. But our you know business model of building softwares on, on the demand was not the best one because we we're always starting something from scratch, you know and that's really time consuming. It's really hard to refine a software to the point where you're going to have something really good and something really useful that people will admire and all. But anyway, it was a good experience at this point. And yeah, at at this point I had already um, abandoned my university two times. (laughs) I started computer science and then I abandoned it and then I went to software development university which last for like two years as well, and then I abandoned as well, because I, I have never been really interested, uh, not interested, I have never been really, um, uh, I, I could never connect to the way universities teach, you know. The style of teaching. The style of teaching, the piece, you know, and, and and the whole thing. I mean, I could figure out how to build softwares and do a lot of complex things by myself in a much shorter Amount of time. My my first drop shipping store that I've built, I've built in three days. You know, so it's it, it's just like uh, I I really like the immersive experience when you're really into something. You know, mm-hmm. Tim Ferris does this a lot. You know, oh, I'm going to learn a new language, so he just you know dive in it for like weeks or mm-hmm. months straight, and that's what I'm doing. He really focused on that, and I think you can get much more from that than trying to study uh, discipline for six months or a year, you know, straight. So school wasn't my, you know, my strong suit, never. It has never been. I have never been, like, good at math at school or something like that. I was always sleeping, you know, and just bored usually. And when I was going back home, I was building websites or researching about programming, stuff like that. So, uh,
0: and just before you got into your, uh, today's uh, business, which is dropshipping, we'll talk about it in, 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 uh, in a few moments and explain to the people what it is, uh, you had a job, right? You, you were working at a company, and, and tell me what, what happened and how it ended.
1: So, I worked for 11 years as a software developer, and just like I said before, um, desktop apps, web apps, um, mobile apps and all and I worked for different kinds of companies small companies medium companies big big companies in Brazil so I, I had the I, I think I have a very different view on each one of them you know because small companies used to be more intimate you could see the passion you know that people have for what they're building and um, the care for the clients and for you know clients be really, uh, um, you know, happy with the product and the, the service and everything. And if you go to a big company, you're just like very small Paul in the process, right? So you, you don't feel that you're impacting as much as in a small company. But um, you... I mean, at the beginning, it was really good because I was learning a lot. I could really absorb from every everybody around me who had some really good experience in software development. I was really into understanding different um, languages, programming languages, and um, design patterns for for development and 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 uh, user experience. All of these disciplines for programming. They used to be really interesting, and I was really into that. But after five or six years, maybe I start to get bored, you know, because I was just building something very specific in a very, very large and big software. So it, it I, I, I always had that, um, that need or um, uh, that dream of having my own company, having my own thing, you know. So five years. You know, after five years, I started to get bored with software development, and and I I think I got stuck or like plateau, you know, on software development, and it 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 it, it was like this till 2015, when I got fired from my last job, you know, and I had. The terrible relationship at the time, you know, it was like really going <laughs> uh, down the road or something like that. And um, it was a very difficult year for me in many ways. Um, and then um, a very good friend of mine, we were talking about that and some other job and, you know, did, did that kind of conversation. And, and she came to me and she was like, man, You have always talked about traveling the world and building your own stuff. Why don't you go, I don't know, to Australia, you know, or some other place that speaks English because I I always want to to improve my English as well. And I did this, I went to Australia, lived in Perth for six months, uh, working as a waiter and, you know, learning English and just trying to figure out. And I've met a guy there who had his own podcast (laughs) and he was interviewing people who had their own business or doing business online, stuff like that. And by talking to him, I understood that I could do something like that. You know, I could, you know, I had the technical skills and the knowledge to build online stuff for myself as well. So that was the first time I've heard the digital nomad term, you know. And I start to get into that and start to study this. And in 2016, January, 2016, I start doing some things. I started the blog. I start selling stuff on the internet, uh, in e uh, e-commerce. Congratulations on the one year anniversary. Oh, two years. Hold on. Two, is it two years now? Yeah. Two years. Two, two years, years now, two years. two years now, but the thing is I started, I started doing it in January, 2016, but it, I mean, it, only really start working like I, I could only start really make money in November 2016. So it took me 10 months trying different business models and different stuff to really get um, to, to get really um, happy with the results of it or really start earning some real good money on it. You know. So- uh, let's tell, let's explain to our listeners, what is dropshipping? What, what type of business is it? So dropshipping has been around for, I don't know, maybe five, seven, even more years. And it's a business model where you can, you can sell a product for people in a specific country or all around the world, and the supplier will send the product directly to your customer. So you don't have to buy, you know, like a stock, you don't have to build a stock or buy a lot of products upfront. Up You're just going to buy like one product from the supplier to your customer every time you have a purchase on your website. And if you learn how to do this well and scale it, scale it up, you can have hundreds of, or thousands of sales in a very short amount of time. And you don't need to worry about packaging or about buying a specific product, building a stock on that advertising. You can test many products till you find the right one and just scale this one product up, you know? So basically that's how dropshipping goes.
0: So uh, I think it was uh, Tim Ferriss who po- popularized this, this model, right, in his book, uh, The 4-Hour Workweek. Uh, it was one of the ideas that he gave to to uh, the today uh, already a huge army of um, digital nomads and, and location independent people. Or some people actually continue uh, living at home and doing this without. But so one doesn't one does help the other, but you don't have to uh, travel the world. You don't have to be location independent to do dropshipping, right? Uh, but essentially, it's my understanding is that you have a supplier. Uh, you have a storefront which is your website and um, and you have the buyers and it's your job to bring the buyers to your store using marketing tactics of some sort uh, and these days it's Facebook I think is very popular right, for this um, and then uh, uh, you um, take the orders and then you uh, send them over to your supplier and then they fulfill the order so you don't really have to receive the inventory you could potentially right but but that's that's not the point of Sort of getting yourself uh, free from from all the uh, physical uh, handling of of, of things. Because yeah, I remember uh, some years ago, uh, many of my friends were into um, eBay, right? And and sometimes their apartments were stuffed with uh, things, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the inventory that they that they would receive and, and resend. So drop shipping is a, is, a, is a lot more uh, clean in in that sense. Um, Automated, clean, yeah, and, and, and it allows you more maneuvering. Like if something doesn't work, you can quickly scrap it. Right? You, you don't, you're not going to be stuck with. Could you be stuck
1: uh, with uh, inventory with Alibaba or something like that? No, because you don't even have the, the stock. You don't even have the products yourself, right? That's that's actually one of the um, the things I really liked in drop shipping. You know, and that's that's really good. That's amazing. But there are some challenges in drop shipping. Definitely, you know, finding the winning product or finding the right niche. That you want to approach are some challenges on drop shipping, and only people who, you know, start doing it and just like learning by doing, you can really figure out how to make it work. And also the traffic you you mentioned that Facebook ads, and yes, Facebook ads is huge, it's really good for drop shipping for testing products and all. But there are some other strategies as well. Um, the one that I'm really interested in right now not many people talk about actually is influencers, right? So there are these people with amazing giant audiences on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, name it, right? And these people have, them, these influencers, they have an amazing authority and credibility with their audience and that's the biggest Barrier when, when you have a drop shipping store, you know, to make people believe that your store is you know something um legit mm-hmm. and that you're going to deliver the products, you know. And if you work with influencers, people trust them already. So just having their word that you know that's a good store, you're going to buy products here, they have amazing products, you're going to get their products and all. That's something that I'm really interested right now. I'm really trying to explore in dropshipping and yeah, dropshipping is really interesting.
0: And so that uh, was a means. There was a way for you to, to become more uh, location independent, more free in life and you you start traveling because you wanted to travel and that was your, uh, one of your goals. Uh, So, what are some? What are the ups and downs? Some challenges and some, you know, some good
1: things about uh, traveling the world. And where have you been so far? So right now, I've been traveling for seven months straight. Um, I left Brazil in July two thousand seventeen, and we are in January two thousand eighteen right now. So I started. By going to Europe because I have always dreamed to go to Europe. You know, London, Paris, Amsterdam—those big places, big cities—and I spent some like really good time in those places. Also in Germany because my brother lives in Germany in Göttingen, in the countryside of Germany, uh, university city, I believe. And I mean, it has been great to just travel around, get to know more people. Even though not all this not much people are doing what I am doing right now. People can even understand pretty much how it works and all. But just getting out my comfort zone and going to different places again and again and again, it really makes me feel sharp, you know, to to be in this mind state that I'm really trying to do different things all the time and being places that, you know, I, I don't speak their language or they have different you know cultural cultural differences Mm -hmm. and it it has been an amazing experience. I have never dreamed that I could be doing this, you know, I'm doing right now. If you could, you know, talk to me like two years ago and tell me that I'll be doing this right now, I wouldn't believe you, you know? So so you can say
0: you're living the dream, uh, literally. I think so. Yeah, you should probably, if you forget this, you should remind yourself that (laughs) you're actually living in the dream, yeah, because when you're in it, right, I'm going through something similar right now, um, and you can forget sometimes. You get, it's the new normal, right? You wake up in a mm-hmm. new country, in, in a different city, um, surrounded with uh, people whose culture is not that familiar to you, and after a few weeks, you're like, okay, I accepted this, this is my life. But you, you have to remember um, that the dream is actually happening now, so you, you enjoy it. Uh, this is not typical for uh, the Brazilian people, um to, to do something like this. Uh, you have to be really rich, right? And I think not even super rich be- Brazilians travel the world. It's not like a, a thing. Uh, I, I feel like, let's say uh, some Australians, Germans, um, Swiss, um, uh, English, they, they travel, it's like in the culture, there's generations of travelers, backpackers and stuff like that. So for Brazil, you, you, you're paving the way, uh, which leads me to the next question so you you, you uh, work with others uh, so your market is brazil but you don't only make have your own business where you sell um things online and doing drop shipping you also teach others uh, tell me about this
1: yeah so i started doing the drop shipping store in 2007 2016 november 2016 and after a few months i was i was being really successful so i stopped Uh, you know, teaching. I was teaching English at this period of time in Brazil, like in a small school in Brazil. So I stopped doing that and just focusing on dropshipping for like six months straight. And after that, I I just started to share my experience with dropshipping on YouTube. You know, I wasn't really thinking about like doing something else or having a different um, income stream or anything like that. I was just sharing, hey, this is my store. This is working. Check it out how it is, how I built that and all. And when I started doing it, um, the creator of the course that I did, you know, he he was like, hey, man, don't you want to do like affiliate marketing and start to, to earn some money, you know, when people are like, watching your videos and click on the web links you have and also I started doing it as well on YouTube with very simple very simple videos it was like just usually like a Skype conversation or me answering people's questions no editing nothing fancy you know but I could see that I was really delivering value for people people were really interested and they were like wow man that's really cool show me more about that can you answer this question and all and then I start to you know without knowing it building um, a YouTube channel and I start doing this affiliate marketing thing and and I was earning a, a good amount of money from the courses that I was selling when people were finding my course because when they when people are interested in a, in a course or, or like um, uh, a ebook or something that they want to spend money on that everybody do what you know they, they start to search online and Google and all and in Brazil, this thing that I was doing was something new at the time. Still still is quite, but it was really new. So every every time people were searching about that, they would find my content, you know. So I start this second thing with affiliate marketing and a YouTube channel, which right now I have 2,500 subscribers. And it's very engaged, you know. People are very engaged in my, my, my YouTube channel. You get t-
0: 200... 2,500. 2,500, yeah. And so you have uh, students that whose progress you can track, right? So you, you, you can see uh, how they're doing. So what are the ca- common patterns uh, with your students, and how many of them succeed, and how many of them fail?
1: Like, what do you see in, in that regard? So um, daily, I have, like, dozens of requests from people who are doing the course who wants me to, um, You know help them or follow them but I can do it with everyone so what I do is like show me you know the results you're getting from your store and then I can make like um, you know one hour uh, mentoring for free because I I, I do this in a a paid version as well so from time to time people just approach me and they're like man check out how, how many sales I did this month and all and for these people especially uh, specifically i I follow them you know for some time, so I can give them tips how to improve how to make it better, and how to grow and you know solve problems on that. but I can help everyone, people who are really starting who have no knowledge on that, and to me that's that's something that g- I think it's good because it it reverberates in my YouTube channel because people see that I will help. Other people who are really trying, making an effort to make it work, and they are not like you know giving up on their their first um, obstacles and and so on. So I really like to help people who you know start you know getting some results of that or making having some progress in a way you know. But um, I mean I, I don't have like the numbers to tell you or you know how many people are succeeding. But the biggest problem I see is that people buy this content and they want to learn how to do that, but they give up in like, I don't know, they just give up too fast. They don't even do the whole thing, you know, they don't implement the whole strategies or maybe they they have this mentality of not trying to, to risk too much. So maybe they build their store but they don't want to spend money with Facebook ads or, you know, trying to find the first winning product. So it, it's something that I, I understand it's complicated because it's much easier to do that if you're, in a community you know especially like physically you know um, uh, meeting other people who are doing that and you can see the results and talk with them right now so doing that online is in my personal opinion it's still like um, a problem even though you have amazing content online you need some feedback you need like someone maybe not a teacher or a mentor but someone else like another student near you to compare results and to try different strategies, you know. Would you say it's worth it to come out to Chiang
0: Mai for this, uh, to Thailand, to where we are now?
1: I think it's 110% worth it, you know, because um, just the mentality you find here everywhere, you know, when you go. There are people talking about conversion rate, about landing pages, about dropshipping, about FBA, about uh, affiliate marketing, YouTube, social networks, all of that, it's really uh, connected in many ways. So just being in in a place like this, it really makes you understand that you can do much more than you're doing you know always it doesn't matter the level of the other person you're talking to you can always get this mindset that hey I can do it better even better I can see that now you know I mean Chiang Mai it's like the the 10th or 11th place of being I don't know but it should have been the first I really think that if you want to start like online businesses if I think if I had started in Chiang Mai, it would have been even better for me because I would started connecting with amazing people, and from here, going to other places, I would have grown my my connection with this, you know, this kind of mentality. So I think Chiang Mai. I mean, I'm I'm really biased to talk about Chiang Mai. I'm really loving here <laughs> so far, you know, but definitely it's a, it's a place to to start if you want to to build your own business online. And especially where we met on the um, Nomad Summit, right? Because it it wasn't just about networking, but the workshops were really good. And just checking this energy by yourself, it has been amazing for me.
0: Nice, yeah, I'm of the same opinion. Uh, That that was a a great inspirational event. And shout out to uh, the organizers and Johnny FD for putting it together. Uh, so, you mentioned um, YouTube and having connection with the audience uh, via YouTube. Um, so, you make regular videos, not daily, but you have a schedule um, and you maintain your channel. Um, how is that working out for you and how, how difficult it is for someone to maintain
1: a regular channel uh, and, and what tips can you give? Um, so, last year, um, I started my YouTube channel on May. So I I made like probably less than 40 videos, not that much, you know. It wasn't that regular, but when I start to make it more regular, like two months ago or so, I was doing like one one video, two videos a week, and it it just you know the 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 numbers just blown. You know, people just start to find my YouTube channel much faster, and 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 it has been really interesting. Um, so. The, the number one tip I would give for people who want to try YouTube channel in any way is regularity you know having a very specific thing you're going to work on that and just upload videos regularly. You, you, you really don't have to make like amazing videos or you know amazing editing or, or videos anything but if your videos have good content for people and you're posting them with some kind of regularity you're good you know and that, that's my main thing. And the other thing is to really engage with your audience, you know? Pe- people really um, under, underestimate the power of making questions in your videos, you know? Like, hey, did you like this content? Thumbs up if you like. If you didn't like, thumbs down so I can know what you guys want, you know? So you're saying
0: it's important to actually say this, to request from your listeners to uh, subscribe, leave comments, because if you don't say this they they may,
1: may forget and they may not do this yeah i think people are really wired to to call to actions you know so it doesn't matter what you're asking them to do but if you're asking them to do something or to drop an opinion or something it really helps to, to make them do it. Even, I, I don't know, people, start, so sometimes it happens to me. I'm, sometimes I'm watching a video and I'm thinking about the subject, you know, but I'm not thinking about writing it down, the question or whatever I have in mind. So when the person tells that, hey, man, i love to, to hear opinions. If you want, you know, have a question or something regarding this video, just drop down. Immediately, I remember that I can do that and I do it, you know, so that's that's a big thing, And the, but it's also, very important, very important not to ask too many stuff, you know, you just, you're not going to tell them to drop a comment, give like, subscribe, like your Facebook page and Instagram, you know, so do it like a few things, maybe one, two things at a time. But yet this really helps with engagement and engagement in my personal opinion it's much bigger it's much more important than having I don't know a million subscribers you know because I don't have that much subscribers and I'm, I, I can I have an amazing engagement in my YouTube channel right now so every time I, I post a new video I have a lot of views a lot of comments a lot of likes and a lot of uh, sales as well because people are used to respond to what I'm doing, to what I'm asking them to do, so, yeah, I think that's it.
0: Yeah, this is really good, really valuable, because um, it just made me think that maybe if you compare YouTube with a regular television program, and back in the day we would watch something, and, and a host of a show would tell us, like, send us a letter uh, with your comments or something, People would not bother to do that. You, know, you have to find some kind of a P.O. box address of this program and send it to the TV channel you think, what are the chances of my letter being reviewed uh, and, and read and addressed? But now you, you can remind people uh, that it's real. You're actually listening, uh, you're reading, uh, you're there to have this two-way communication. You're not just um, someone who broadcasts from from your high tower, you know. And and, and they just uh, at the bottom kind of wish they, they could uh, talk to you, ask a, qu- a question. They can actually do that. And when you remind them, it's only a few clicks away. You know. So that, that that's really good, and that's something that I also underestimated um, previously, um, because uh, so far my uh, attempts at uh, producing videos are really just me sort of talking, almost like talking to me, you know, it, it's, I'm not really keeping in mind connecting with the audience. So that's something to think about. Um, and, um, so my next question, uh, would be if, do you have any advice for those who want to work, uh, while traveling and should they quit their jobs? Should they wait a, a little bit longer until they estimate, uh, if they can do this? Like, what would be, like if someone has a strong desire to, to start traveling, what would be the, the, a good roadmap
1: for them? Um, that, that's a good question. And that's something that personally, I think it varies a lot from people to people because, um, when I was starting my online business and everything, one finger that really triggered. um, in, to me in many ways were, were, was self-development, you know. So really understanding what's important to me, what I really wanted to do, and how I wanted to do it. All these questions, they were even more important than figuring out the right business model or figuring out how many hours should I spend doing that or how much money should I earn before going nomad, you know. so learning about really what i wanted to do what's really important to me how to focus and ignore other things and all this all this this, this self development stuff that a lot of people don't even understand or does, don't i don't know don't care about it was what th- those things were what really made it work for me really made it click for me you know so it really changed from people to people um to me when I started doing my business after three months I burned the bridge right so I just give up my English teaching stuff and all and I just focus on that because it was working I was earning some money and I think that's a good strategy if you're sure that that's the path you want to go through you know so that's why it's so important the self-knowledge thing I remember I mentioned The Matrix at the beginning of the interview, right, the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene in, in, um, in the movie where Neo is going to talk with the Oracle. And the Oracle is trying to tell him if he's the chosen one or not. And he, he asks he her the question if he is. And she answers something like, uh, being the chosen one is like being love. Nobody can tell you are. You know it. Right. And you can read in, in some place in the movie as well. Know yourself, know themself, I guess. And it's, it's, it's amazing how this is really important, you know, because doing what we're doing, like going nomad, traveling around, having our own business online, that's something big. That's something that it, it can be really complex. You're going to face a lot of um, trouble, a lot of, um, um, a lot of problems, you know, and if you're not really committed to that, if, if it's not like a vision you really embrace, it's you're not you're going to give up really easy, you know? So to me, burning the bridge is something interesting after you're sure what you're doing, and if you're really passionate about that and if you really want to to do it, you know. So my my personal um, advice is to find people who are doing it, just like We're here in Chiang Mai with a lot of nomads or maybe if you don't want to go to Chiang Mai, finding your own city, people who are dealing with digital marketing, online business and workshops with that. So connect with these people so you can learn with them. I think uh, being in a community, it's it's really big to understand all of that. And uh, in parallel with that, getting to know yourself better, you know, so understanding those big questions and... And really getting to know yourself—it's—it's it's major to make it work.
0: Yes, I l- largely agree. And, and I, I've heard this question asked uh, of other people before uh, on other podcasts. And I—I I know, of course, that it's, there's no easy answer that fits everyone. However, I—my conclusion uh, is that if you make this decision yourself based on all the factors in your life, and you actually do it without asking anyone for permission, uh, you're more likely to uh, have a great experience and succeed in some way than waiting for someone to give you the permission. And Because then you can blame that person for telling, yeah, you can quit your job, blah, 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 and, and then you, you can be angry at them and, and yourself for listening to someone else instead of listening to yourself and all this kind of stuff. So uh, it's good, of course, to ask people people's opinion. But also, it is also very important and it's a very important building block in self-development to make your own decision and, and don't ask anyone, don't announce it or anything. Just start doing things that brings you towards that decision and then see what happens. If, if you're brave enough to um, possibly f- fail and run out of money too soon, you can still do it, it's, I think it's fine, it, it just, you, you don't need anyone's permission to do that. you know. Uh, unless you have obligations in life where you need to take care of someone, when the money is not yours, you have to borrow, then of course you have to be smart uh, and, and find the extra funds yourself. Right? But if you have it, if you have three months or four months of runway, make your own decision and do it and then just keep in mind if you if you go down to zero, just have enough money to return to where you were, and you'll be fine. You know, this experience will help you in life somewhere, some sometime down the line, maybe not right away. Um, and so this is this is this is uh, the conclusion that that I have. Um, and so, what are your goals and milestones for the um, year ahead? Uh, and you're in a pretty good place because obviously you can now. Um, have an authority to teach people and, and they, they trust you, they b- deliver value, but there's always something you can do better. right? There's al- always new horizons. So w- what are your
1: plans? So um, one of the things that John FD told on the Nomad Summit that really resonated with me were, were about, was about um, building different in- income streams, right? And I have two big, big steps to, to give this year. One is building my own course on teach people how to work as affiliate on YouTube or something like that. I'm not like 100% sure on the model. I'm working on it, and the other one is to write my first book. You know, so these are like my two big steps for my business, and in personal um, personal life, I really want to build a better routine because traveling the way we do it's it's really hard to like wake up at the same time and having uh, a productive routine you know sometimes you work a lot and some, some days you don't work at all <laughs> so that's something I really want to to concentrate this year and and that's it I just want to focus in this stuff and if, if I'm able to to make it I'm happy
0: <laughs> yes uh, that's that's something I can relate to as well um, so, I guess this will uh, conclude our conversation. Uh, if, do you have any resources you can uh, help people find uh, in terms of dropshipping? You're doing everything in Portuguese, so uh, your YouTube channel is excellent for the Brazilians or Portuguese uh, people or some other countries that speak Portuguese. Um, but um, so, I'm, I'm going to mention those links, I'm going to put them in the show notes where can people learn more about uh, drop shipping in general
1: um i think there's a lot of content for free on youtube in general and and now if you just research about drop shipping but my advice actually is to 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 get like one person that you admire or that you you know connect or resonate or you you, you like them and just focus on their content because there are many different strategies on how to do drop shipping, and if you try to learn all of them you're not going to do anything you know so just start looking around for free stuff on YouTube you're going to find a lot of people who are you know have a lot of experience and they they, they have a lot of tips and you know how to to build dropshipping stores and how to do it and then At some point, you must just give up of everything else, everybody else, and just focus on one, maybe two people, you know, at a time. And if you follow their instructions, you're going to make it, you know. But it's really important to focus on some, like one or two strategies tops when you're beginning. Because at the beginning, everything is new, so it can be complicated. You're not going to get, you know, results, you know, good results if you're following a lot of people with different strategies. So yeah, that's that's how I did. <laughs> um, in my, my previous episode with Matt,
0: uh, had a record number of links because we covered so many topics that, that uh, I could actually reference. But in this in this episode, it's going to be different and I think it's going to be a good reflection on what it takes to be a self-starter uh, People who are waiting for the exact steps are not going to make a lot of progress. So it's on you, dear listeners, to go ahead and search, uh, type those characters in YouTube search box uh, or Google based on what you've heard if, you, if you're curious and, and find out for yourselves. Um, it, it doesn't take so much time to, to identify who's who knows their stuff, who you should follow. Right? Things you can do um, to teach yourself is to go to udemy.com or some other. Uh, Course-based uh, collection of courses like uh, that are hosted on, on, the, on the website, uh, and just search for those things: drop shipping, passive income, uh, video blogging. And, and um, I wish uh, everyone who wants to get into it good luck. And uh, thanks, João, for joining me
1: today. Thank you, man. Thank you for you know giving me this opportunity to talk here and share some some knowledge with other people. And any time you need. Well, I may hit you up when I make my dropshipping store. Thank you again, and
0: uh, see you next time.